you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. This morning we're reading Romans 8, 18 through 27. I consider that our presence suffering are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. The creation waits in eager expectations for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it in hope that the creation will itself be, will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as, as, the, as in the pains of the childbirth right up to present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For it is in hope that we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with the groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Karina. Hope we can go back. It's all good. Hey, uh, so in 2022... Uh, we decided to start a, a series as we began this year uh, out of Romans chapter 8. And if there's a spot in the Bible that is familiar to a lot of people, uh, it would be Romans 8. Um, but Romans 8 is part of a larger letter that Paul writes, the Apostle Paul, this pastor in the New Testament church, uh, to a group of people who desperately needed hope who desperately needed strength, who desperately needed understanding, who desperately needed encouragement. And so I want to kind of open that uh, with you today. But before we we get there, we just got to say, you know, that there's some things that like you just can't compare. Like some things you just have to experience. Like some things you can't really describe. We've got a little video of a baby enjoying her first ice cream cone. We just get to watch this. Same, right? Same, girl. Yeah. Totally. She's going to be doing that for the rest of her life. You know, if you, you stand in this moment, like you can't really describe this to somebody. You just kind of have to stand here. Like it's too beautiful. It's too majestic. It's too wonderful. It's also a little frightening. I feel nervous for him. Or like when you're in this moment, like you're on a roller coaster. Like, it's hard to describe with words to somebody who was not on that deal. Don't want anybody to get sick. So if you are, just going to close your eyes. We don't need any, any of that in the house today. Or we can do this one, too. Like, you grow up in, like, a warm environment. And you move to a cold environment like South Dakota. Like, yeah, it's, like, sort of cold. You don't understand what you are stepping into until you are actually here. And today... The Apostle Paul says something really interesting. That our present suffering, 
like the suffering, the pain, the hardship that is in you and over you. You cannot compare that with a future glory. Like you can't compare it. Like it's not even going to be close. It's not just going to be a little bit redeemed. It's going to be fully redeemed. It's not going to be a little bit healed. It's going to be fully healed. And the chances are good, I think, that Paul writes these words, why? I think he writes these words because he has heard about the suffering, about the hardship, and about the pain of the people in this church that he cares so deeply about. We've talked about in this series that Paul is in jail and he's writing this letter to this church talking about pain and suffering. And I think he's heard about the pain that's in their lives and over their lives and I think really a couple different kinds of pain. I think he's heard about the stuff of their daily life. Like stuff that they're not really just able to outrun, outmuscle, outwise. Like it's the pain when your humanity shows up. It's the, it's the brokenness of getting up in the morning and going about your day. It's the tension that you feel in your stomach. It's the anxiety that you feel about what's going to unfold in this moment or in that moment. It shows that you're a human being, created to feel, a human being who's living in a world that is very broken, a world that is waiting for redemption, waiting for restoration, waiting for healing. But I think Paul has not only heard about that, I think he's probably also heard of a different kind of pain and suffering devastating things like pain that takes your breath away things that threaten to rob you of the hope that things can still be good like there's actually an opportunity for goodness still to rise out of this brokenness out of this pain out of this hardship and Paul tells this church that your present suffering it's not worth comparing to the future glory that is going to be revealed, both the things of daily life that reveal your humanity and the devastating things that take your breath away. God is doing something. And his proof of that is in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. And Paul writes all of this to this church who stands in need. You know, I think this chapter is, is a part of this letter because I think Paul knows that if you have breath, you have pain. But Paul says that your present sufferings don't fill the whole auditorium. Like, they don't fill the whole page. Like, they don't fill the whole house. Like, your house, your apartment, your dorm, there's different kinds of things in that place. It's not just made of one single thing. There are different rooms. And Paul wants the church in Rome to know that their present suffering 
is not the only chapter title. It's not going to tell the whole story. If you look with me in verse 18, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings, you know, suffering, it's not just the stuff we're going through now, is it? Like, it's not just the suffering that we woke up with today. It's also past suffering. It's also stuff that we've walked through in our life. It's also like the memories of loss, the memories of anguish, the memories of pain that kind of find, our way, find their way into our story. So it's not just present suffering, but it's past suffering. But it's also future suffering. Because we know that there are things for us in the future that are going to be hard, that are going to be difficult, that we know as we stand here today, like we've not walked through everything hard yet. And now you're like, wow, thank you for that encouraging word on this day. That is helpful to me. But I just need to remind you what Jesus is reminding us of in the scriptures. Like, Take heart. In this world, you will have trouble. That's the promise. But there's another promise in that verse in the book of John. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And Paul wants to lean in to speak into that overcoming power for this group of people. Your present suffering is not worth comparing to the future glory that is going to be revealed. And here's what I think a lot of people hear when we read that verse, even as we've talked about it today. I think what a lot of people hear is don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like this too shall pass. Like the flu. Like you'll get through the flu. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable for anyone. You or anyone who knows you. Or like a toothache. Anybody been in there in life when you show up to work and you're like, oh my gosh, I think there's a demon in my mouth. Like it's not going to last forever. Or like an awkward conversation where you're like, I just want to get out of here. Or an awkward social interaction. Like one time I was in Qdoba and this random, this guy, I looked like somebody else. And he came up to me and was like, oh, it's so good to see you, and gave me a huge hug. <laughs> Hi, Daryl. Like, these things will pass. And sometimes when we read, your present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed, I think sometimes we hear, oh, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it, this too shall pass. But can I tell you, nothing could be further from the truth that Paul wants to communicate. Paul says, don't live as though resurrection didn't happen. Because if resurrection happened, we know there's future glory for us. Because there was glory for Jesus as he was raised to life out of that grave. 
And we're not trying to erase the grave out of the story. We're not trying to remove the tomb out of the story. We have a Jesus who defeated the tomb. Do you ever notice in that story that there's an angel and that you know where the angel is sitting? The angel sitting on the tomb. Like on the stone on the resurrection day. That's supposed to be a picture of authority. That the, the God of the scriptures... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has defeated that which wanted to bury Jesus. So we serve a victorious God. Not like a, hey, don't worry about it, God. This too shall pass. Paul says, no, we can't live as though the resurrection didn't happen because Paul also has experienced deep pain in his life. And he actually writes it down for us. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and he kind of makes a list of the stuff that he's walked through in life. You could do this, and he did this too. Verse 24, five times, he says, I received from the Jews, the religious leaders, 40 lashes minus one. That's like with a whip, 40 lashes minus one. So 40 minus one is? You guys. 40 minus one is? Thank you very much. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked, and besides everything else, I have daily faced the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. But can I tell you, that's not all. Because there's some other things that aren't included in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The fourth and final year of his third missionary journey. You ever been on a trip that just wouldn't end? You're like, when are we getting out of here? When are we getting home? If you have a minivan, the probability is high that you have felt that in your life. Paul goes on a trip for years ministering and serving other people and preaching the good news of the gospel and all of the while just getting beaten down by pain and suffering and toil and hardship. And he's got to preach to himself, my present suffering is not worth comparing to the future glory that's going to be revealed. When this person mocks me to my face, when this person beats me, when I'm lost at sea, you got a lot of time to have a conversation with yourself about where God is and all of that. My present suffering, it's not worth comparing to the future glory that's going to be revealed. He has a two-year imprisonment in Jerusalem that, he, that hasn't happened yet. That's why it's not here. His journey from Caesarea, Caesarea to Rome that included another shipwreck and a snake bite. Don't forget about the snake bite. Paul's first Roman imprisonment in Caesarea, and then his house arrest imprisonment in Rome, his second Roman imprisonment, which resulted in his death. So Paul's not talking about pain and suffering. When he says, your present suffering is not worth comparing to the future glory that's going to be revealed, he's not talking about it like it's in a book. 
He's talking about it as it's in his heart. It's in his bones. Like his body, his flesh remembers the 40 lashes minus one, which equals, thank you, your present suffering. You can't even compare it. You never had an ice cream cone before? There's no way I can even describe it to you. It's not worth comparing. What you're walking through presently, you can't even compare to what God is going to do and is up to ultimately in and through your life by the power of the Spirit. That's what Paul wants to say. And the truth is that suffering holds the power to produce something within me that is not just for me. It's got the power to stir something up within me that's not just for me. And Paul is proof of that, and we are proof of that. Because we come to hear of the good news of the gospel that took root in Paul's life through his suffering. And some stuff has happened to Paul. Like he's turned from a mindset of superiority to a mindset of humility. Like before Paul met Jesus, he's not somebody that you wanted to have over to your house. And God's turned his hatred into love. He's turned attacking the church to building up the church. And I think there's something really interesting in this verse. That the glory, it doesn't say that the glory is going to be created. It says that the glory is going to be revealed. So can I tell you what I think that means? I think that means that that is in you now. Like it's within you where you sit. And it's going to be revealed. It's going to show up. It's going to be made visible. And then if you go to verse 23, no, verse 22, we find these words, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, good. Someone who has not experienced childbirth is going to use childbirth as an example for what it's like to live on planet Earth. That's what we need. But Paul says humankind is not alone in their groaning, not alone in their pain, not alone in their suffering. But the the creation itself is groaning, waiting to be revealed. Like your plants right now, your, your flower bed at home, not doing super great. Do you ever think about the picture that that is? For the power and purposes and plan of God. Like they are waiting for the sunshine. Like they're waiting for the growth. They're waiting so that they would produce what they have been meant to produce, but now they are dead. They are dormant. They are suffering. So, what's up with the groaning? We talk about groaning. I think there's a couple things we can talk about. I think you can groan in pain, I think you can groan in exhaustion. 
right? Like you come home after a long day of work, right? And you just like grab a chair. Not this kind of a chair. We don't have church chairs at home, but it's like, oh, oh. And we can groan in frustration. Like you have a conversation with somebody and they kind of stomp off because they don't like what you have to say. We groan in pain, groan in exhaustion, and we groan in frustration. And those three things are evident not just in our life, but in the created order itself. And can I tell you what's really beautiful about that? That the pain and the suffering that humankind is experiencing and the created order is experiencing is what brings humankind and the created order together. That they together are longing for God. And why does that matter? Why is that beautiful? Why are we even talking about that? Because in the book of Genesis, there's a curse that separates humankind and the created order. The ground is cursed. And so you have to work it through painful toil. And the ground produces thorns and thistles, which is a hard word to say, actually. I had to practice it. Thorns and thistles. And then there's sweat that your body's going to produce because you're working hard. Can I tell you that those are curses in the book of Genesis? Because of the disobedience and the unfaithfulness of humankind. The one who created this beautiful world curses it. But in suffering, humankind and the created order are now together longing for God. So it's actually the thing that unifies them together. So what are we groaning for? What are we waiting for? Paul says there's two things. First, we're waiting for adoption as his children. Like we're waiting for that final day where we will belong in the presence of Almighty God. And we're just waiting for that. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of waiting to be picked up from somewhere. Like maybe you've been dropped off at Target in your life. And you go and you do your stuff and you come out and you're hoping that your person who left you there is what? Is going to be there. Have you ever had the experience of them not being there? And it's like, I'm done. Have you ever been finished with school? And you walk out and sit on the curb or a bench and waiting for your person to come and pick you up. We're waiting for adoption. Like we're waiting to be fully embraced by the God who made us and the God who saved us and the God whose spirit fills and empowers us. And it's not so much about going to a place as much as it is about being reunited with the God of the scriptures. So the adoption as his sons and daughters We're groaning for that. But we're also groaning for what? For the restoration, Paul says, of our bodies. 
Yes and amen. Our bodies don't always work the way that we would like them to. And you just sometimes need a cold to help you to be reminded of that. We're waiting. We're groaning for adoption and for the restoration of our bodies. And Jesus in John chapter 14 tells his disciples, part of their groaning for their adoption as sons, like I'm going to prepare a place for you. And there's going to be a day when you're going to enter that place. And then John 16, this is part of the larger conversation. He promises the disciples that they will see him. They will see him. Jesus himself is going to have this healed body. This body that was broken by the Romans was made perfect by his heavenly father when he was raised to life. So we groan for adoption and for redemption. And the resurrection church is the vehicle for bringing that about. So how do we get adopted? We get adopted in and through the resurrection that's coming. And we get redeemed bodily redemption through the resurrection. Then verse 26, here's the last thing we got to say today. In the same way, I'm going to invite the band up. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. If you have like a real physical Bible or if you have a phone and you can highlight the Spirit himself. intercedes for us, steps in close to us with groans that words cannot express. So even God groans, even the Spirit of God groans for adoption and redemption. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I love this verse for a couple reasons. One of the reasons is because it is a denial of an of a only and always cheerful Christianity. Like we're just like always happy. We're always joyful. We're always cheerful. This verse is a denial of that. But the help that we receive is help by and from the Spirit. And it's this word in the original language, sunati lambanomai. I'm not going to make you say that one. We did 40 minus 1. I'm not going to make you do sunati lambanomai. But can I tell you what sunati lambanomai means? It's beautiful. Spoiler alert. It's not the kind of, I'll tell you what it's not first. It's not the kind of help where something is done for you. Like you're in seventh grade and you're having a hard time with your math homework and you bring it home and there's somebody older in the house who can do the homework and they do the homework for you. That's not this kind of help. The teachers in the house are like, that's not help, that's cheating. Sunanti Lambanomai is to help, this is so beautiful, 
by joining. By joining in an activity and an effort. So when Paul says that the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, intercedes and helps with groans that words cannot express, this is what he's saying. It's not that the Spirit of God does it for us, but he says that the Spirit of God joins him in raising his pain, his anguish, his hardship to a God who hears every single vowel and every single consonant, every single groan in here. And here's what I think. I think a lot of us would say that we feel close to God when he speaks to us. Now we pull up the target. I don't know why Target keeps finding its way in here, but it's just going to go with it. And there's an open spot right by the front. Thank you, Lord. God speaks to us. I'm supposed to be here. See? Or in some other kind of way, God shows up. We say, oh, I feel close to God. But that's not what Romans 8, how Romans 8 talks about being close to God, is it? Not when he speaks to you. No, Paul says in Romans 8, do you know the evidence of being close to God? It's when the Spirit of God speaks for you. Not to you, but for you. And if I had to guess that there's a lot of pain in this room, there's a lot of groans in this room today. And so I just need the church to hear Sunanti Lambanomai, that our God is a God who joins us in the groans of our heart. I'm not going to pretend to know where you're at, how you came into this deal today. But I think the likelihood is high that you have a groan. And now you have an ache for something to change, for something to be different. And the good news of that is it's not up to you. And more beautiful than God doing it for you is that God will do it with you. Sunanti Lombano. We pray with me, God. We thank you today for your grace and your power and your love. We thank you that you are the God of the exhale. And that you are the God that groans with us. And that present suffering doesn't tell the whole story. Present suffering isn't the only thing going on. There is a future and there is a glory. And so God, today for every person in this room, people up front, people seated in these chairs, people who will hear this online later, 
God, we praise this God who gives joining help to us. And so God, we turn to you and we say that we need you. We need your grace. We need your healing. We need you to repair and to redeem and to restore what has been broken by others, what has been broken by us. And we thank you that the heart of God is glad to come to the aid of his people. So thank you for the groans that speak to the pain that there are no words for in this room. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way you move, for the way you speak, for the way you act, for the way you uncover, for the way you reveal. Would you place within us the power to stand in present suffering while we wait the glorious day of our adoption as sons and daughters and the restoration of our bodies. In Jesus' name. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.